from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, your smart speaker, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry. In eight hours, the NFL draft will start. And we're going to get you caught up on every single ounce of what you've got to know. And we have latest reports from Diana Rossini. She just tweeted out, I'm told the Arizona Cardinals are currently mulling trade offers from multiple teams interested in moving to number three overall. The chaos is almost here. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Jason Fitz, Harry Douglas in studio together, presented by Progressive Insurance. And I'll tell you, we got tons of draft stuff to get to. We will get to what's going to happen all across the land when it comes to the number three overall pick. But the odds-on favorite to win the NBA championship this year is done. They're gone. One moron sitting here sat on first take and said, nobody in the East can beat the Bucs. It took one series for me to be an ass in front of America. The Miami Heat and Jimmy Butler get it done. I'm just falling on the sword, Harry. Like, I'm eating all sorts of crow. I was wrong. Uh, You were right. You said, hey, you know, the East is wide open. I don't think any of us thought Miami was going to, like, in Benito Miami. No, this was not supposed to be the one that happened. not by a long shot. And I think the most upsetting thing about it all is that it only took five games for the Miami Heat to do this in. It only took them five games, right? They won this series 4-1. And if you would have told me before this series even started that, number one, the Bucs would have lost it. But then number two, lost it in five games, I would have lost every dollar to my name, Fitz. (laughs) Every dollar. And that's a lot more. Look, I lost some money last night. I'm I'm not going (laughs) to lie. I told you I was buying dinner for everybody. No, no, I am not. It's going to be, thank God I love Wendy's because I'm going to be eating that for the rest of the summer after the losses I took on the Bucs. But – It leads to a conversation when you are the number one seed, when Vegas has you, as I know from my wallet, as the team that's supposed to represent the East, at least in the NBA Finals, and you're down in the uh, first season, you're going to have, or first series, you're going to have questions to answer. Giannis Antetokounmpo, superstar, MVP candidate, was asked at the press conference if this season was a failure. You asked me the same question last year, Eric. Okay. Uh, Do you get, do you get the promotion every year? On your job, no, right? So every year you work is a failure, yes or no? No. Every every year you work, you work towards something, towards a goal, right? Which is to get a promotion, to be able to uh, take care of your family, to be able, I don't know, um, provide the house for them or take care of your parents. You work towards a goal. It's not a failure. It's steps to success, <clears throat> you know. And if you've never, I don't, know, I don't want, to, I don't want to make it personal. So there's always steps to it, you know. Um, Michael Jordan played 15 years, won six championships. The other nine years was a failure. That's what you're telling me. No, I'm asking you a question. Yes or no? Okay, exactly. So why are you asking me that question? It's a wrong question. There's no failure in sports. You know, there's good days, bad days. Some days, some days you are able to uh, be successful. Some days you're not. Some days it's your turn. Some days it's not your turn. And that's what sports is about. You don't always win. Well. First of all, I think Giannis said that in a beautiful way. But I also got to keep things real. As a team, the Milwaukee Bucks, they fail fits to complete the mission. And here's why. They won an NBA championship two years ago. And Giannis talked about how, you know, that fed a hunger. 
right? Once you win your first one, the goal every year anyway should be to win a championship. But when you're the number one seed coming into this playoffs, also playing the best basketball coming into these playoffs has one of the deep have one of the deepest teams, if not the deepest team in the NBA. You have two leads in games four and five by double digits in the fourth quarter and lose both of those leads. You six, shoot 64.7% from the free throw line yesterday. You have no answer for Jimmy Butler. You're the title favorite. Coach Bud isn't making the right coaching decisions. You failed the mission. You failed the mission. The task at hand. When they came into that, that the first meeting to start the year, the goal is to what, Fitz? Win a championship. Win a championship. They had high hopes. And not too long ago, we was just talking about if Giannis would have won his second title, where that would have put him as an all-time great. So, yes, they failed to complete the mission. I'm not going to sit up here and say he's a failure, those players are a failure, what they were able to do this year, having the best record in the NBA was a failure, but they failed to complete the mission, and the mission is to win an NBA championship. Uh, I mean, and to that point, he's Harry Douglas, I'm Jason Fitz. There's this moment for me where, like, you can fail and not be a failure. Like, both things can be true. Uh, Look, look, I I talk about this all the time. Everybody's tired of hearing about it, but I'm on this fitness journey, right? There are days when I'm going to be on that treadmill and I'm doing everything I can and I might not hit my goal. So did I fail that day to hit the goal? Yeah, I failed. Does that make me a failure? No. Like, there's some some nuance to this. Just uh, no no different in my, my music career. Uh, we put out a song at one point that everybody was convinced was going to be a huge number one. Let me be lonely. Uh, let me be lonely. Uh, uh, everybody thought it was going to be a big smash. It went to number two. Like number two, having the number two song in the world is something to be really proud of. We went nuts when it went number two. People were fired because of a song went to number two because there was an expectation that this song was supposed to not just be a number one, it was supposed to be a smash. When you have a certain expectation behind something, it is okay to look at it as saying, hey, this might have been a success for some people, but this was a failure to what we were trying to accomplish. There's nothing wrong with the Bucks looking at it and saying, you know what? We had a goal of a championship. We didn't hit that. Is Giannis a failure? No. Did they fail at the mission at hand, as you said? A hundred percent they did. And now you got to look in the mirror if you're the Bucks and say, how do we stop this? Because you have been very good. No different than Memphis. Two years in a row, Memphis is the two seed. And we're sitting here saying, get it done. The, the, now, right now, Milwaukee has to figure out how they're going to get championships out of arguably the best player in the league. Fitz, my first two auditions at ESPN, I went in there with a goal to complete the mission and be able, so I could be able to have a job at ESPN. Guess what? I didn't get the job within any, any one of those auditions. Guess what? Guess what I did? I failed the mission. But it fueled me, right? It added more fuel to the fire. It made me go back to the drawing board. How could I be better in this, in this case, in this instance? It fueled things inside of me to the point where I'm here now. I'm here now. And I, I think that's what Giannis was saying. Beautiful. Like, this is one of those weird moments where I don't fault the question. I know where he was coming from on yeah. the question. You didn't win a championship. Is this a failure? I don't fault the answer, really, when he's saying, like, hey, I didn't fail. But there is some nuance in the middle where maybe maybe the Bucks didn't fail in some ways because they had a successful season. But the goal of every every team is a championship at that level. Like, that's what you work for. We're going to sit on a draft broadcast tonight talking about how one player is supposed to make a massive difference on a 53-man roster towards winning a Super Bowl. Like, we are obsessed. And everybody that gets drafted tonight will not be able to do that. 
even though they're getting drafted in spots and you wish the best for every last player getting drafted, there are going to be guys who fail the mission. Aaron, it happens every single year. Aaron Rodgers has one Super Bowl. All right. That does that mean the rest of his career was a failure? Nope. No. Does that mean that they failed to accomplish the mission the the rest of the years? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Now uh, let's acknowledge too. The Heat have moved on. I want to give the Heat a ton of credit. Oh my And on Lord. the Heat, not only are the Heat moving on, but we now get Heat Knicks. New oh. York eliminated the Cavs. First postseason win since 2013. Either the Heat or the Knicks will end up in the Eastern Conference Finals. Think about that for a second. You, you know what? The first game is Sunday at 1 p.m. I don't have anything to do. So if anybody has a spare ticket to Madison Square Garden, I mean, if you want a plus one, if you want an exciting plus one, plus who's going to buy you beer, buy you whatever you want I'm, while we get in there? Plus two. Just, what, what's the number here? Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. Call us at any time. Oh. We will take your call as, as as much as possible, as long as possible. Yeah, uh, by the way, uh, I it's do have not other plus... stuff to do today than screen calls for Harry wanting to go to the Knicks game. Please, just, God, tell us what. I just what specifically, like, Evan, what, is what more you important. Because than... we know growing isn't on the equation. Wait, 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 wait. Damn. <laughs> I think what Harry meant to say is Harry plus one. So he's looking for me a plus, plus two. Yeah. So okay. plus two. And yeah, by the way, I will gladly let Harry buy whoever gives us the tickets drinks. I'll let Harry buy whoever gets us the tickets but see, food. But here's the thing. I have a major, major connect. But see, you you gotta you don't I don't wanna use him right now. I don't wanna use him for right now. What, for wait, game what time one. is that game? What time is it's that game? It's one PM on Sunday. I'm conflicted. I'm supposed to start my new uh, my new kickball league on Sunday. I'm the team captain. I think I missed that for, for the, the hell guard, with right? kickball. Huh? Excuse me? I had to kick you in your ass if yeah, you pass it. That's what happens. So, you know, if you got tickets to the garden, you wanna just look Harry <laughs> and I am. Uh Devin, you'll just take my place. Tell everybody that you're me. Nobody will know the difference. You're dashing. Say the number one more time. Triple eight, say ESPN eight eight eight. Seven two nine three seven seven six. When Evan picks up the phone and says, uh, "Let's," let's when Evan's like, "I thanks calling Fitz and Harry. What do you want to talk about?" The first thing you just got to say is, "I got tickets." If you say, "I got tickets," you're automatically getting through. That's the way we're gonna make it. All right. Automatically. You know what? I'm eating a ton of crow. I'm the first to admit I was wrong about the Bucks, but it's a good day because I don't have to admit I was wrong about the Lakers yet. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Crosses over on Shooter, explodes to the basket, scoops around Davis, and scores again. John Morant has taken over the ball game. That's the final tonight. Zeros on the clock. The Grizzlies force a game six. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Peering in from the top, crosses over on Schroeder, explodes to the basket, scoops around Davis, and scores again. John Morant has taken over the ball game. That's the final tonight. Zeros on the clock. Streamers will fall from the Raptors. The Grizzlies force a game six. And those guys uh, were spectacular tonight. Uh, we're going to need even more and better from them in, in game six. But these guys definitely play with force. That was stuff we were talking about before the game.
I've got plenty of crow to eat when it comes to the NBA playoffs. I am the first to admit that it looks like right now my predictions are going up in flames. But I still got a chance on one of them. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel. Lady Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, hanging out with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Again, we've got so much NFL draft we will get into, and I will shamelessly promote all day that not only can you listen to every single pick of the draft on ESPN Radio, obviously watch it on ESPN. A great way to have a third screen option is to pull up wherever you get your digitals, the ESPN and uh, ESPN app, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, any of those places. Harry, myself, Field Yates, Harry Lyles, Spencer Hall, and Andrew Hawkins will be there for every pick tonight and tomorrow. Doesn't mean we'll be going anywhere. We're still going to be on radio tomorrow reacting to all of it too. We're about to get into the grind of the draft and we love it. Got plenty to get to. That being said, I'm feeling froggy today, HD. <laughs> Somebody on this show, <clears throat> Devin, kept saying, travel doesn't matter. I'm not worried about travel for an experienced team. Oh, travel's <laughs> going to be just fine for the Lakers. There's no problem with it. Well, uh, then explain this to me, Devin, because this is LeBron James talking about how he played last night afterwards. No, we just uh, haven't put together two performances together, but you know we still have put three uh, team efforts together to be up 3-2. And that's what's most important. It's not about, um, you know, what AD and myself are doing. It's about how we can win basketball games. And tonight I'll um, and I'll be better in game six. Devin, how Did he you? mention anything about travel in there? What are you talking about? Why does that sound have anything to do? Also, so, so now Memphis has to go back to L.A. Is the travel going to affect them negatively? No, because they're Uh-oh. young. Oh, young people it. have so better legs than old got people. Got it. There uh, it is. Look, there I'm the oldest guy in the room here, and I'm, I'm fully well, like, I'm fully capable of admitting that you and I go out and we're going to play. He, Devin's on my kickball team on Sunday, right? Devin on Monday, he's going to feel good. I'm probably going to be like my my back, my neck, all of it's going to be, you know, all of it's going to be just sore the next day, right? Because <laughs> I'm old. I'm old, right? Like you're not old. You, this this happens, Harry. Well, tell well, tell well, him. I'm gonna say this. It, it was bound to happen though, because LeBron James has been playing so many minutes, especially the game before. Um, and, and and a lot of people even mentioned this before the game last night that LeBron probably will have a down game, and down it definitely was. One for nine from the three point line. Only had 15 points. Had five turnovers. I think that's the most turnovers that he's had in a very very long time, especially in the postseason. So he wasn't on his P's and Q's last night. But I also I, I do got I do got to give the Lakers credit though, Fitz, because the Lakers found themselves down 17 points in the second quarter. They cut it down to 11 points at halftime with 9:21 to go in the third quarter. The score was 63 to 61, and they kept fighting time and time again before the Memphis Grizzlies went on that run where they couldn't miss and they were scoring paint point after paint point. So many points in the paint that they gave up, the Lakers that is, gave up 56 last night. John Morant was phenomenal. I'm going to say it again. John Morant was phenomenal as well as Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain, two games in a row, has really showed up and showed out and it paid dividends last night. Jaron Jackson Jr., he was able to chip in with 18. But the fact that John Morant and Desmond Desmond Bain carried this team afloat and allowed them to get that victory last night, it was pivotal because it was a win, a go home. But also, they kept taking it to the Lakers time and time again. But I got to give the Lakers credit because the Lakers kept fighting back. I was at Jen Jackson concert last night, and they had the game on on the TV. So I was listening to Janet, 
but I was watching a damn game on That's TV. That's like a weird back and forth there because it feels like they give two different vibes. Like Janet's getting that vibe, like she, she, yeah, like maybe getting you, you, you in the know, like setting the tone. Like she, that. yes, she Janet was. setting and the you know, tone. I went, out there, I went home to my wife mm-hmm. last night too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see Janet. <laughs> Janet, Janet set, it, set it up for me. Janet's out there setting the tone. Janet, Janet was my wing woman. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> the Grizzlies were out there running things hectic. Like the pace of play was huge in this. And you're right. Like I'm the first to admit there was a moment early in this game where I thought about tweeting out like a little gif of confidence. And then I was like, nah, I've learned better than that. And then in the third quarter, I was like, see, this is why I didn't tweet it earlier. I just sat there and, you know, did what, what all grown adults do. I took another edible and just sat back and was like, I'll just <laughs> let this game play out. Uh, but you're right. Uh, it, it is interesting to me that we saw a different mem- Memphis, though. Not just aggressiveness, but I think pace. Like yep. from, the outset, it was clear that Memphis's intention was to not only try and win this game, but to try and run them out of the gym, which is interesting because I'm surprised we didn't see that earlier in this series. We did see it in an efficient way. You mentioned Bain and Morant. They combined for 64 points. That's fine. When you combine for 64 points and you only have four turnovers combined for those two guys, that's a level of, and you're pushing play, you're doing it efficiently, you're actually doing the best you can with every possession still at that pace. I thought it was substantial. It gave them a little bit of a blueprint, gave me a little bit of hope. I, I looked at that and thought, man, this is why didn't we see this all series? Look, and, and you would say if Anthony Davis had 31 points and 19 rebounds, that the Lakers would probably win that game. But that pace that you're talking about, that the Memphis Grizzlies played at, don't just let that be a game five deal. That has to be game six. That has to be game seven. John Morant has to continuously be aggressive. Desmond Bain, I feel the same way. He has to be aggressive. Jaron Jackson Jr. can't. You can't let this happen in game six. You can't go out there, Jaron Jackson Jr., and get in foul trouble. You're too valuable to your team. But the way those three guys uh, played last night, they were the cornerstone on why Memphis was able to not be eliminated last night. Aggressiveness, pushing the pace, but also the right people shooting the ball, even though Dylan Brooks was 3 for 15. Damn, just stop shooting, Dylan. <laughs> I mean, Dylan, just take, take some just time off. Just play defense. Off. Just play take, 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 take some time off on that Man. one. Yeah. Uh, Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Round out your protection with life, phone, and pet health insurance. You know, just when you think things are going to be easy for Memphis, though, Desmond Bain makes sure they won't be. Memphis can't get out of their own way when it comes to running their damn mouths. This is what, business, what Desmond had to say after the game about the potential of coming back home for a Game 7. Yeah, we got to um, come with the right, you know, edge and uh, the right road mentality. But, um, you know, I said it out there and I'll say it again. You know, we're, we're going to be back for a game seven in front of the best fans in the NBA. They can't help it, bro. Yeah. See, see, and th- this, is what, this is what Taylor Jenkins in the locker room after the game. Hey, guys, don't give your opponent bullet, bulletin board material. Focus on game six. Our focus is on game six. There's no reason to talk about game seven. You got to get to game seven. Game six is next, not game seven. I, I've got a buddy. My goodness. I, 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 won't, I won't name names here, but we have a mutual buddy that's a very large human being. And, you know, many years ago in my life, I used to go out in the bars and maybe talk a little talk, you know, and then talk a little talk. Because especially when you got big guys around you, I don't mind talking to somebody <laughs> when they bump you at the bar. And there was one day he looked at me and he's like, man, you know, I'm always, I always got your back. I might let you start taking a punch or two before I step in just so you learn your lesson. <laughs> That's kind of where I think we are at this point where it's like, you know. It's and, a, I lo- and I love the confidence, Fitz. I love the confidence. Sure. But just because you have that confidence doesn't mean it has to be expressed out loud to the world for you, the world to hear. You know who needs that confidence? You know who needs to hear that confidence at that moment? That locker room. 
Like, go back to your brothers that you were on the court with, that yep. you were working your ass off with every night, and you tell them, man, we're, we're coming back for game seven. B- build that belief from within. I got no problem with that. But when you start just why, – why, at this point, why say anything? Why say anything that creates any billboard material? Because the, the overall, what we've seen, one thing in every game in this series, the team that brings the most intensity wins. Every game. So you got to ask yourself, when you haven't been able to match their intensity a couple of times the way you need to, and you didn't last time in L.A. when you absolutely had to, how are you going to do it now? What I'm not going to do is fire up LeBron after he had less than a perfect game. All right, we'll keep breaking it down, obviously. But as I told you, the NFL draft is tonight. There's one quarterback you want to keep an eye on as the picks start to be made. And we'll give you an angle on it you've never heard before next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The 2023 NFL Draft. So you ready for the draft? Let's get started. Live from downtown Kansas City, Missouri. The NFL Draft is officially open. It all begins with round one tonight on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and on ABC. With the first pick. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Mel Kuyper Jr., player profile. Hendon Hooker has the size, has the nice release, the strong, accurate arm. What bothers me is the system. The system allowed him to have success. He's a flat-footed thrower. He only has that one pitch. He doesn't throw rolling to the left or to the right, so he needs work. But he has the ability with that arm to really scare the daylights out of a defense. But he needs a year or two now. He's coming off the ACL, so this will be a medical redshirt. He is 25, turning 26 in January. So the age, the injury concerns. But the way he played the last two years of Tennessee in that quarterback-friendly offense got everybody's attention. I'm just telling you right now, college football is more interesting when University of Tennessee is relevant and they're better than relevant right now. And you're seeing it in the draft tonight. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, hanging out with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Obviously, both of us have a ton of time in Nashville. We both know a lot about the uh, Tennessee program. Uh, Harry was down there a couple of times last year with Countdown to Game Day, so uh, incredibly excited for Josh Heupel, Tennessee Volunteers head coach, to join us. Coach, you just heard it. I've heard it a million times, not just with Hendon Hooker, but Jalen Wyatt. You hear guys like that, and they say, well, it's the system. It's the system. What is your reaction to people trying to uh, say that the system is the reason for the player's success for you particularly? Man, pretty comical uh, to me, man. Players players make it go, man. And if you don't have the players, uh, it doesn't matter what you're running. Uh, you're not going to have much success. These guys are dynamic playmakers. Uh, I think that's why you're going to see a bunch of these guys in the first and second round. Uh, really excited about uh, this weekend for all of our guys. 
Say it louder for the people in the back, coach. <laughs> you can't have Boo Boo the Foo Foo out there trying to run your plays. It's not going to work, coach. <laughs> but, uh, it's pretty comical. You look at what Hendon's done in the best league in America. Uh, you know, I don't know, it's like 58 to 5 touchdown to interception ratio. Yep. That only happens if you're a great decision maker. You're able to process defenses. You're extremely accurate with the football. You have the ability to manipulate and work the pocket, extend and make plays with your feet. It's uh, it's uh, almost comical again to to me. Um, you know, I think you know tempo offenses maybe 15 years ago relieved some of the stress from from quarterbacks. What we do applies a ton of pressure to the quarterback. This guy's making the decision every single snap. He's controlling our run game, run run checks, run pass checks. Uh, he controls uh, alerts, kills, our RPO game. He's got to be a decision maker every single uh, play. He understands protections. And I think his ability to showcase his football IQ to NFL executives after the injury as he's gone through the draft process, you know, is why he's continued to climb back up the boards after dropping after the ACL injury. And, and uh, I'm really excited for Hendon and for all of our guys. Uh, I think they're going to do a great job as they transition to the NFL. Now, Coach, I, I had an ACL uh, injury in my playing days, and I had to have people, you know, kind of slow me down a little bit, uh, guard me from myself because, you know, you get to a point where you're excited. You want to get back out there. You want to show people what you can do. How much of conversation have you had with Hendon about slowing down at times, though, too? Man, I'm not a medical doctor. I'm going to make sure that uh, his doctor, the rehab protocols, and Hendon do a great job of following that, which he has. And he's handling it extremely well. Uh, he's gotten clearance on everything that he's been able to do. Uh, you saw some video of him uh, taking some drops and starting to throw. Um, he's been in a great frame of mind, but he looks great, too. Just him being back in Knoxville, being around Rocky Top, seeing our guys. Um, it's been good to see him uh, just physically the way that he looks and what he's doing in the weight room. Uh, really excited. He's on pace to be ready to roll when the season opens up and uh, excited for him in, in this NFL journey. We forget sometimes that Hennon Hooker's journey started at Virginia Tech. You obviously got him at Tennessee. What changed for you with him at Tennessee that was able to make him so successful? Man, where he started uh, is uh, – you know, in our first spring ball with him and where he is now, uh, I just think it speaks to, you know, young quarterbacks getting themselves in the right spot with guys that understand the quarterback position. How do you train them, you know, from a a scheme and understanding what's going on on the other side of the ball? How do you train their eyes? But also fundamentally, how do you train them so that they can maximize their God-given abilities? And, you know, Hendon has developed so much uh, consistency in his – his delivery, which has allowed him to be more accurate, being fundamentally better from the ground up, his feet being the right spot, his balance, his movement, uh, that's allowed him to continue to be more accurate with the football and push the football vertically down the field. Um, I think that's one of the things in this offense you get a chance to see. This guy is extremely accurate, intermediate, and deep balls and throws as many of those as anybody in the country. Coach, you had some wonderful wide receiver play this season. Two guys that are going to be in this draft, I think, are going to go really high. Cedric Tillman and Jalen Hyatt. Now, both of those guys are dynamic in their own ways. Could you touch on the difference on a football field from Jalen Hyatt and also Cedric Tillman? 
well, they're different body types, and they really played different positions in, in, in our offensive system. Uh, Jalen played primarily in the slot. You also got a chance to see him late in his career here late last season, step into a role playing out on the outside. Dynamic playmaker. I mean, I don't know if anybody in college football vertically stretches the field the way that he does. He's got a great ability to understand coverage, understand space, understand how to attack a DB. And uh, because of that, he absolutely lit it up last year, uh, you know, finishes as a Blitnikoff Award winner, and we'll go, uh, go high here uh, this weekend. Ted Tillman, um, long, strong, and ability to use his body to shield defenders off, plays long over the middle of the field. Those guys are different in their body types and their skill sets, but I think what's really similar is that those guys are consummate pros in the way that they approach every single day, taking care of their bodies, the uh, approach that they have when they walk into the, the facility and uh, are ready to walk into the meeting room, their work habits out on the practice field, the extra things that they do outside of the building too. It, uh, it's been fun to see those guys really mature in the way that they approach everything, and that's why they've played at the level that they have. You know, you know who else I think helped both of those guys out? Your strength coach, Kirk Smith. Because I had him at the University of Louisville, and we used to always work on my lats. See, he's a big lat guy. Harry, you got to get your lats right so a DB don't throw you around. How's Kirk Smith, man, been for your program from a strength coach perspective um, and helping you guys be able to compete uh, year in and year out? Yeah, it's the, the key to the success. Uh, you look at the development of our roster. Uh, when we got here, uh, you know, none of these guys were, were highly rated on, on the draft board at that time. They've developed inside of our program. And Coach Schmidt, his staff, what they've done, developing them specifically for the position that they play, the way that he trains them 365 days out of the year. That's from Darnell Wright to quarterback Kenan Hooker to our wide receivers, to Byron Young, the physical maturation, uh, their skill development because of uh, what they've done in the weight room only happens if, uh, if you've got the right guy leading your program. Coach Schmidt has done a great job. We've been together now for, for five years, and uh, you know we've developed a lot of guys. Uh, at the previous stop, we weren't getting uh, Johnny Five Star. Uh, he did a great job of developing those guys. Coach, you're incredibly humble and kind. We appreciate your time. I know tonight's about the kids that played for you, but also congratulations for Tennessee to have five, six guys that are going to be picked in the first couple of rounds. I know that's huge for the program moving forward for you. We really appreciate your time and your insight on these guys. Oh, Harry's laughing. He's lap, lap boy's laughing coach, here. What, what? Coach, when I come back down to UT, I better see you in the weight room getting those lats right. Well, coach we, uh, Schmidt, I better see yeah. them lats getting right. I got more than just my last to get right at this point, but uh, it, it's a big day for, for Tennessee football. Uh, you can tell the excitement, even within our own roster that's still here, about the guys that uh, are taking their next step. It's a huge day for our fan base, too. Really excited and um, can't wait to see uh, the weekend unfold for our guys. Congratulations. Can't t- wait to see how next season goes, Coach. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Always appreciate being on. Go Big Orange. That's Josh Heupel, Tennessee Volunteers head coach. And I'm telling you, the turnaround has been – as somebody that's covered that program in different ways for a long time, the turnaround and the vibe has been incredible. Tonight's uh, draft is going to showcase a lot of that. We can't say it enough. The NFL draft is tonight, first round. So we've got months of takes that will even be proven, either be proven right or wrong in just hours. Before that, we get to play one last edition of NFL draft. Could take hot take. That's next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. The 2023 NFL Draft. 
Live from Kansas City's historic Union Station, it all begins with round one. The Carolina Panthers are on the clock. Tonight at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and on ABC. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Good take. That's good. Great. Or a hot take. How hot? Red hot. Find out now with Fitz and Harry. It's good take, hot take, NFL Draft Edition. I'm Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. You guys know what we do. We play some takes from some of our peers, and then we decide whether it's a good take. We agree. It's a hot take. They've lost their damn minds. But now, instead of just doing it today, we're going to bring together a whole smorgasbord of, of takes from the last several months about the NFL draft. Now, good take, hot take might as well be renamed the Dan Orlovsky segment. Like, he's in the good take, hot take Hall of Fame uh, because I feel like he always makes it in. But remember, this was Dan Orlovsky, the great ESPN football analyst on Get Up, talking about why the Texans should take Anthony Richardson, number two. He has all the, the question marks or all the boxes that you want to be able to check. That's what Anthony Richardson has. He's got high intelligence, work ethic, good character. His leadership's only going to get better the more he's in that position and in that role. And if you're the Houston Texans, you have Trevor Lawrence in your division. you got to go chase down Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert. If you don't have a star at quarterback in the AFC – your next six years are a complete waste. All right, what do you think? Good take, hot take. I think it's a, it's a hot take because who's saying that C.J. Stroud can't be a star? And I think C.J. Stroud should be the second quarterback taken in this draft behind Bryce Young. Like, what's saying that C.J. Stroud can't get to the point where he's able to compete with those big dogs in the AFC? And let's not forget now, Trevor Lawrence just got like that last year. I mean, we can't just talk like Trevor Lawrence, like this is two great years from Trevor Lawrence that we've seen. Yes, you know, getting rid of Urban Meyer and, you know, a more bona fide coach coming in there for the Jaguars helped Trevor Lawrence. But who's saying that C.J. Stroud can't be that guy for the Houston Texans and lead them to a prom- to, to the promised land? I think that's been my problem with this the whole time. The take that you need to have a quarterback, we agree on. Like, we yeah. say it all the time. Yeah, you got to have a quarterback. I just, if you say boom or bust... I'd like to know why you presume it's all boom and no bust. Like, if you're going to tell me that there's been beauty or slop, as they was said for Will Levis, then why are we presuming it's going to be beauty at the NFL level and not slop? Like, the NFL, most times, guys drafted high go to terrible teams. So it's a chance to bring out the worst of who they are while you develop through it. We just don't know with Anthony Richards. I'm with you. I'm taking C.J. Stroud number two overall right now if I had the chance to do it. And and I'm high high on Anthony Richards. You're very high on Anthony Richards, For the Houston Texans, I'm not taking Anthony Richardson there, too, Yeah, if I, it's me. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with this. I understand Dan's point. You need a quarterback. 
But just because you need a quarterback, you need the next Mahomes, doesn't need, mean that somebody that's shown that trait once, twice, three times is actually that guy. Now, let's get, keep it going with another quarterback here. Matt Jones, Kentucky Homer extraordinaire, was filling in on Canty and Carlin and had this to say about shocking Will Levis, Kentucky quarterback. People think Bryce Young's going number one? I don't know that that's certain. I think next to Will Anderson, he's the best player in the draft. Levis is going number two at Houston. Just remember who said that. Levis, number two, <laughs> Houston. This has got to be a hot take, right? This, 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 is, this is a hot take, but there are little things to this. Um, we do know that Will Levis played for Liam Cohen, right, at the University of Kentucky. We know Cohen's background to the Shanahan offense in that tree being with the Los Angeles Rams. We know the offensive coordinator now with the Houston Texans is Bobby Slowick. Who has the background being with Shanahan in San Francisco? So from a system perspective – I could see it possibly happen, but I'm not taking Will Levis at number two either. I'm taking C.J. Stroud at number two. If you're going to take a quarterback, if you're the Houston Texans. If you have to take a quarterback number two and you take Will Levis over C.J. Stroud, I think you've lost your damn mind. I just can't be any clearer than that. Unless the Raiders do it, in which case I'm going to support it fully. Remember, I'm fully on the, no matter what the Raiders do this year, they have they have kicked me in the nuts too many times this year. I'm just going to support whatever they give us. All right, we'll keep the quarterback takes going. This one from Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, all of them, about who they would take number one overall. Key, you're the GM of the Panthers. Who are you taking number one overall? I am going to take Hidden Hooker. Me too. Me too. I'm really taking Hinden. Yep. I'm taking really Hinden. Yep. In the end, Can I'm taking Hinden. Can I call both you guys out? Have yep. you guys watched any of these other quarterbacks? Have you watched enough tape that you can really make that assessment? Or are you I've, just saying it for radio purposes? I mean, Jay will bringing in the thunder of the gods at the end. Lord have mercy. Thank and you, Jay. And if you're will. just like, look, thank, I, thank you, Jay. We love Hendon Hooker too. Like I, in a dream world, I'd love to see the Raiders move back up into the bottom of the first round and get Hendon Hooker. I love that option. But to take him above Bryce Young would just be damn stupid. This is a hot take, and I don't think it can get any hotter than a hot damn tamale. Thank you, Jay, for your good take and asking those guys that question. I mean, somebody had to do God's work there. By the way, we'll go with the tweet here from Tannenbaum for good take, hot take. He said of Hendon Hooker, he'll be the best quarterback from this year's draft. Not should it be first, he'll be the best from this year's draft. Good take, hot take. I honestly believe that's going to be Bryce Young. Now, Anthony Richardson behind, I would say, I would say Anthony Richardson has the highest upside of all the quarterbacks mm-hmm. because if all the things align, he has that upside. Um, but I'm going with Bryce Young just because I've seen the magic that he does on a football field time and time and time and time again, Fitz. Yeah, and I keep saying this about his size. He got knocked up mm, out by a bunch of Georgia defensive linemen that are now in the NFL. And live to tell the tale. So, like, I, I Bryce Young clearly top, and I think clearly will be the best. All right, so let's go to Gamba. Jan, uh, John Gambarato from Arizona Sports 98.7 on our Fitz and Harry mock draft said this about the Cardinals. All right, with the first pick in the 2024 Fitz and Harry mock draft. Oh, wait, that's next year the Cardinals will have the number one pick. Now they have the third pick. Look, I wanted Will Anderson here. That That's who the Cardinals want. I'm going to cut him off there. His point, the Cardinals will have the first pick in next year's draft. Good good take, hot take. Are they going to be the worst team in football next year? Oh, this is a great take. Yeah. They will have the number one overall pick in 2024 NFL draft. They they will. And they will have a, a decision to make to take a quarterback there and also do they want to trade Kyler Murray. 
I think it's interesting, too. Bill Simmons said on his podcast that neither the Colts nor the Texans should take a quarterback. Just wait till next year. I think you're forgetting, Bill, that next year the Cardinals are going to be worse than everybody. So the first quarterback is just going to be off the board right away. This is the chaos of the NFL draft. Already looking at next year. You want a good take? Harry's got one on the NBA playoffs you have to hear next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 